There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show. It's a podcast. Hello, friends. Timothy Michael McKernan in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Not my basement, not my bed, but in the actual studios at the radio station with the great Gangster Pete. Gangster Pete, hello, friends. Uh, it's good to have you here. There's some questions that I think you will have some answers for, and I always like to have people participating. Last week, we got to do it on the Ryan Kelly morning after with uh, Iggy and the Plowhawk, the original cast of questions from the audience and uh, enjoyed that. Have a bunch of questions because uh, we didn't get to all of those and a bunch have come in since. You're always welcome to email in your questions for questions from the audience. Anything is welcome. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Maybe I, maybe I overestimate the perversion of the audience because we just haven't gotten as many perverted questions as I would have thought. Um, as a matter of fact, maybe I've underestimated the intelligence of the audience because we get incredibly good questions that then aren't necessarily like, do you know the answer to fortunately with Google, those days are over, but what are your thoughts on this scenario? And then how would you handle it? God, that makes me really think I like that. So uh, that's what we have here. A bunch of these. I also posted it on the TMA fan page. If you haven't joined the TMA fan page, it's on Facebook type in TMA fan page. And uh, the current uh, picture to let you know which page it is, is a gentleman in a Cubs hat. I think he's, despondent over Paul Goldschmidt's double on Sunday to wrap up the, uh, the Cubs uh, four game sweep against the Cardinals. Um, and, uh, so we have some questions from that. Subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't listened to the Kelly chase interview presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen wealth strategies, he presents our guests every Sunday slash Monday. Um, it is, it, it really is. I'll be curious if I like change my mind or if I forget about it like in two months. But at this moment, I think it's the best interview. And again, it's one of those things I had nothing to do with. Chase is just so good. But listen to that. That's our guest this week. Last week was Jeff Fisher. Some of you might be like, hold on a second. You had former Rams coach Jeff Fisher on? Yes, Ben Fredrickson wrote about it. Very kind article on our uh, our guest and our podcast and Jeff Fisher's answers when asked about relocation. So that's up. So subscribe to this thing. What else have we had here recently? Gangster Pete, Jeremy Macklin, Joe Buck, Joe Buck, John Kelly, Pat Maroon. Uh, I feel like I'm missing an obvious one, but either way, uh, great guest constantly. I'd like to think we'll be able to keep this going. Hopefully the Cardinal playoff run, we'll be able to get some uh, kind of timely guests uh, for that. So anyway, subscribe to the podcast, spread the word. And then the pick six podcast. How did everybody do this week? I think uh, the weatherman went three and three. The, re the weatherman went two, three and one. Two, three and one. Joe went two and four. And then G unit fresh G, off 0 and 6. G what unit do? went 3, 2, and 1, but he hit on his big underdog UFC fight. Well, where he like was picking a woman, plus but he two, wasn't sure plus it was a woman. 220. Yeah. Oh, though, I thought the weatherman went 3 and 3. Uh, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Whatever. I can double check it, but I had it 2, 3, and 1 when I was looking at it. I think he emails yesterday. me to update me. I think he said 3 and 3. Who knows? I don't know. Whatever. Either way. Uh, weatherman, uh, producer Joe, and uh, G unit. It's the Pick Six podcast for your gambling, fun, and games. Every uh, every Thursday. So there it is, the Tim McKernan Show. So questions. What do we have? We have a bunch. And uh, and I am going to scroll down here. Um, 
I don't. I, I gotta say, I, I don't. I shouldn't. I shouldn't answer the question. This is. This is why this is such a fucking bizarre podcast. Because all these things are saved, and therefore I can like, you know, like flag each email that I'm going to read. But instead, I just pop up here, and then I scroll down, and then I like in the moment decide whether or not I'm going to answer the question and how to answer the question. So it's a weird thing. And I thought I had them ordered, but I scrolled down to the wrong one, and then this popped up. Uh, it comes from a gentleman calling himself Wally. And then he signs it off as Herb Utzmeltz. So you wouldn't necessarily think this would be the line of questioning, but here's what we have. My questions are probably too boring, but here it goes. Are you still considering buying the radio station? The answer to that, this is nice. This is like a deposition. I can answer yes or no. The answer to that is yes. How do you go about setting a price? I don't own it, so I don't set the price. Purely cash flow. Uh, radio stations... Uh, when bought and sold at this moment in uh, United States broadcasting are sold for, uh, at, again, at this moment, approximately uh, a multiple of five or six. Um, signal strength, some type of licensing value. Uh, I would imagine that would factor in. Some multiple of revenue, no on that. Uh, assets consists of... Um, in this particular transaction, it'd be the radio station and the land where the towers are. Uh, what individual local radio shows are most profitable? I can tell you I won't be answering this, mainly because I don't have the information. But even if I did have the information, I wouldn't say it. Uh, and this person, uh, Wally, lists TMA, Frank Opinion, Guy Phillips, maybe Learn, KMOX. Um... I don't, I don't know. I can tell you what my perception and the perception of others in the radio industry in St. Louis are, or actually these are people actually at these places. Um, Gangster Pete, you want to take a guess? There, th there is a perception because not everybody has access to the financials, although one of these people has one of these people at this person's station. I was just having a conversation with this person. Yes, The three most needle-moving shows in St. Louis. Let's see what you think. Gangster Pete, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I really have no idea. I listen to podcasts, you know, yeah. like TMA moves the needle for me. And then the rest of it is podcast listening for me. The answer I'm told is, um, is our show, uh, Glover show and, uh, the Rizzuto show. Now, I would include Frank opinion show. Um, I also was asking about, even though it's not, I mean, I, we're on at the same time. But a show called Bud and Broadway, or Broadway and Bud. Never heard of it. It's on 92.3. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, but I, it's flattering that, because, I mean, I view, frank opinion from my standpoint is the standard bearer. I mean, first off, the man is just in another world talently, uh, talent-wise and with his ability to tell a story uh, and has an incredibly loyal audience. Uh, and built that up over years. And he's been a guest on the show and came in studio. And I think some people were like, oh, I've heard of Frank Opinion. And then they heard him come in and tell stories. It's like, oh my God, this guy, he just, he just, there's just, uh, it's like when Martin was in last week and people are like, oh, I get it now. It's kind of like the same thing with Frank Opinion. Um, so to be mentioned in that category, Rizzuto show, that's, that's, I think, I mean, I'm just guessing here, but I think that's probably the largest audience. I mean, ratings wise, Morning Drive it is. Uh, and Dave Glover also has had this thing going for a long time. So, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's, that's a, 
that's a flattering list to be uh, put in that category with those shows because I am aware of what those uh, shows have done and the kind of money that, well, I'm told uh, people have, have made doing them. So tip of the cap. And final question from Wally. Uh, is Iggy a modern-day Andy Kaufman? No, because Andy Kaufman was playing a character. Iggy's not playing a character. Iggy is who Iggy is. If anybody ever started playing a character on the show, I wouldn't do it publicly, but privately I would pull the person aside and say, just, uh, you know, don't do that. And there's no need for it. Don't do it. So I don't believe that's ever happened on the show. There will actually, this is what happens when I say this, this would be super obscure. It wouldn't be anybody that anybody would necessarily even remember. But there was a time where we did have a situation where somebody on the air, and it wasn't like they were playing a character. They actually said something about a public person. Now that we're talking about, we're going back to the aughts and well into it. Uh, and kind of a dark time, actually, for the show's history. So maybe people can zone in on when that was. But um, this person said they saw a member of the Cardinals at a strip bar, which in the whole scheme of things, I think in 2000 at the time, it might have been a bigger deal. I think now nobody really give a shit, which is weird, but I think it's good. It's kind of like now I see writers and broadcasters using hell and damn and ass, and it's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, who gives a fuck? But um, I remember saying, I said, wow, you saw, I'm, I said, don't, don't say that on the air. You know, you just can't, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that stuff now. I, I just, you just don't, you know, uh, and then the person goes, oh, I didn't see him there. And I go, oh, my God, what the fuck are you doing? And, like, he couldn't believe that I was, like, you can't you can't do that. I mean, that's, I mean, it's just, I mean, see, it's, I would hope everybody listening to this would go, yeah, of course you can't do that. I mean, you can't make shit up, period. There's not, a, there's not a gray area for that. You cannot make shit up. And then if you do, and then you go, oh, I was mistaken, that's a different deal. Like, if you thought you were passing something off as a truth and you were mistaken, then you apologize. But if you're just blatantly making something up about somebody and putting a name and a location of where they are, it doesn't matter where they are. Because I, I saw, you know, Paul Goldschmidt at Burger King. Well, I didn't. Well, that doesn't necessarily, he probably wouldn't say that could harm my reputation unless you said, well, I'm not eating healthy. And now people are saying I'm not hitting because I'm not eating healthy. Somebody would want to, but some people, especially if I think this person was married, might have an issue with that. And I couldn't believe it. Um, but Iggy says what Iggy thinks and Iggy is who Iggy is. And that's just the truth. I think people know this, although I guess I've had a few people. It's kind of like when people, do you really use these sponsors that you talk about? I go, yes, I do. Um, with, with Iggy, is he really, is that really? I go, yes, he is. He's been this way ever since I've known him and very unapologetic about it and good for him from my standpoint. So my answer to the Iggy is Iggy a modern day Andy Kaufman. No gangster Pete, you play golf with Iggy. Uh, often uh, your response to any of those questions, I realize some Iggy, of them were kind of pretty. Iggy is legit, and I, he's never lying on purpose. If anything he says is not true, it's not an intentional lie. I would agree with that. It's just like him misremembering something or getting something wrong. But I played, I actually played golf with one of his high school friends who lives in Hawaii now, the guy he said that was the post yeah. and he was confirming all of Iggy's stories. Oh, he was confirming Iggy's stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just he is who he is. It's just it's obviously different relative to what you would uh, think the standard behavioral patterns are of most people, especially people in their sixties. But I mean, it's who he is, and God bless him. It's guy cracks me up every day. Uh, hey, Timmy, I'm a 25 year old male living in Chicago. This is hot. Uh, my question for you uh, and the dais. This was one that was uh, for when me, Iggy, and the Plowhawk were hosting questions from the audience on TMA, but I didn't get to. 
is about, quote, getting into TMA. I've been listening pretty religiously now for about a year. There are still a few inside jokes from the old days that I still don't understand, but for the most part, I'm caught up with all the shenanigans. If I were to recommend TMA to my buddies, how would I go about doing so? When someone asks what TMA is about, it's hard to describe. A short, bald man with a great voice who everyone loves. I actually, like the short, bald man with a great voice. I'm like, okay, I guess he's talking about me. And then he says who everyone loves. I'm like, okay, now I don't know who he's talking about. And I actually mean that sincerely. I think I am either the least popular or second least popular member of the dais. Gangster Pete, I'm not going to include you on the dais because you're rarely on the air and have been with the show for a year. But that's how I would say Doug is the most popular. Uh, and then it gets into people who people like and don't like. But I don't think if people don't like Doug, it's when he starts talking about politics. But then it then it's like in the Iggy then everybody's kind of a mishmash. That's my that's my handicapping of it. Uh, Plowhawk pre his anger streak that's gone on here for a few months, but still I think people realize how important he is to the show and might enjoy the anger streak or some people bitch about it and send me emails and like, what are you allowing him to do? I'm like, what the fuck do you want me to do? This is how he thinks and God bless him for all I care. You know, he was a happy-go-lucky stoner and then he, <laughs> then he got banty. I don't know what the fuck happened, but that's what's going on. Uh, Gangster Pete, any thoughts on... Uh, what I said to you. Uh, yeah, I just think it depends on people's personal taste. Yeah, that's, that is the truth. Some people like some things, some people like other yeah. things, and that's the case with I do find it is interesting um, because one of the questions to get into the TMA fan page is like the, the weed out to keep the bots out and then like the fake accounts. There's two questions. What is your favorite lineup of hosts on TMA? And, and they're given multiple choices. I don't know what all the multiple choices are, but like there's a few that are not actual hosts of the show, like Peter North is a host. And then if people click that, you know, you know, it's a, and then uh, who is your least favorite member of TMA? And I just saw, I just opened that up. It's a young woman. Well, there's currently 33, 32 requests to join. And the woman says her least favorite member of TMA is TT Boy who is an adult film star from the 1990s. It's the thing with this thing. Um, but anyway, the least favorite member of TMA, and, I, and, we, and, and I'll scroll th through these things. Now, Neil Allen, Craig Paulkett does a wonderful job of moderating the thing. Um, and I'll tell them, I'll say, listen, a lot of times people have been booted and they create new accounts to try and get back on or they buy people's defunct accounts, dormant accounts to get back on. And I know people go, you've got to be kidding me that this goes on. And I would imagine 99% of you are going, there's no way. And just all I can tell you is it goes on and it's, it's incredible that it actually does go on, but it does go on. Gangster Pete, do you believe me that it goes on? Absolutely. You <laughs> think of the six people on the show. You are, uh, of the six. Well, I don't know. Plowhawk and Iggy seem to be really sideways with the fan page. Hell, Iggy left the thing, but it, that it goes on, um, and so the question is, who's your least member, least favorite member of TMA? And I would say I see Plowhawk's name the most. Um, and then Iggy and then, and then, and then, then me, the cat dog are kind of evenly spread. And what I'll notice is if it's me, the majority of the time, it's somebody who's older, an older man. Um, and and then their likes 
on Facebook or whatever their favorite, whatever the hell it is, when you click on your favorite books or TV shows or politicians or whatever, they're conservative, which kind of makes sense. Even though I have, well, I know I'm not voting for Donald Trump, but I have no idea who I'm voting for in the presidential election. And uh, my favorite politician of all time, top two anyway, is, uh, is a Republican. But either way, I digress. Uh, I guess I'm not fitting into the current 2019 version of conservatism, if that is in fact conservatism. But um, the people who don't like Doug are oftentimes young and then have uh, liberal perspectives. So I, I agree with you. That's that that is kind of like, what do you like? And then, you know, uh, and then if it is matching up with your worldview, then odds are you're going to like the host who you believe represents that. Continuing on in the question, um, a short, bald man with a great voice who everyone loves. The FSM Midwest sideline reporter that throws in big dips. Okay, no, we're talking about there. A 55-year-old sports anchor that people hit on and make gay remarks towards a stoner with bad takes and a creepy 60-year-old man who loves porn. For me, it took about a month to understand the show. I've listened, I was about to recommend this, and you've already done it. I've listened to Swope's Picks. And the fan page helped me get some of the inside jokes, but most don't start with these outlets. So from you guys, what is the easiest way to get into TMA? Keep up the good work. That's from the town and country twunk. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Can't emphasize enough how important it is to have a, a financial advisor, but then it's not just any financial advisor. It's somebody who who knows but cares. Again, plenty of people can know but cares. And Mark Hanna helps everyday people every day get their finances organized. You can call him at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or go online to evergreenstl.com. His name is Mark Hanna. He is with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And I can tell you from getting to know Mark here over the last year, that this is a first-class person who has your best interests at heart, and just calling him at 314-889-0503 is going to make you feel better and you're on the right track. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503, or go online at evergreenstl.com. Gangster Pete, you've been listening to the show from the beginning. Yeah, I've been you listening to... go back to Martin Kilcoin. Yeah, morning grind. So for me, it's like when it's easier for a kid to learn a language when they're young. So oh, like, nice, nice I just kind of grew up with it, so it's not. I don't. I don't know what to tell you there. I don't know. I remember listening to Jim Rome back in the day, and he would say, "Give the show like two weeks or something like that," because he knew right. it was a lot of inside jokes. But ours is really a, a rooted in a foundation of kind of mocking sports talk radio as it's currently constructed, and then it's an inside joke to that inside joke, and then there's like a million little inside jokes under that inside <laughs> joke, and so. I don't know how somebody could listen to this. Like we, we sometimes do say to ourselves, Doug, the cat and I in a commercial break, all the Plowhawk and Iggy are out smoking. And it's just the three of us in the studio. And it's just like, can you imagine if somebody were driving through St. Louis and they're like, oh, we want to listen to a sports talk station. And they turn this on and what, what they would think. And it's funny to me when like I talk with people in St. Louis radio and now there's this, um, I don't know what the, there are compliments about the show, which is great. Uh, even though they, they might say it's not my thing, uh, ladies, for example, uh, who work in St. Louis radio, say, it's not my thing, but my God, my husband loves it. Um, or now we do have more women listening to the show, but I have no idea how one could tune into it and then like catch on to what the hell's going on because 
for my money, most of the time, like the sports segments are most of the time, from my standpoint, the ones that I disengage from the most. But if we are like when the blues are on their run or the emotions surrounding it or a trade deadline situation, I get fired up about that stuff. Cardinal baseball stuff. I really nerd out hard. Um, so I don't know what somebody would, I mean, listen, obviously it's happened, but I don't know what somebody would tune into and then go, oh, I'm following what's going on. How in the hell can you follow what's going on? Plus there's like five, maybe if Pete's chiming in, six people talking, there's constantly texts from names that clearly we know coming in the email. I mean, my God, if you ever listen to the email segment, uh, how you could possibly follow that. So I don't, I don't, the Swope's pick thing would absolutely be my recommendation because that gives you, that explains the dotum thing. And if, and people will ask me, oh, so you do a radio show. Like this will be a lot of times when I'm not in St. Louis and they go, oh, that's cool. And so you talk sports and so you talk to the Cardinals and the blues, or if I'm meeting with somebody in, in the world of broadcasting, like, oh, I bet you guys spent a lot of time on, you know, that topic. And I'm like, ah, oh, we mentioned it, but then we moved on. Um, like if we were at 101, you know, and I'm speaking today on September 24th. Like we didn't even mention the KU sanctions, right? You know, which I'm sure you were chomping at the bit to talk about, Gangster Pete. Not a big surprise. There you go. Uh, but it's just, it's like, oh yeah, if we would have gotten to it. Maybe we'd have gotten to it. And maybe somebody would have had a strong opinion about it. But otherwise, I knew that like Doug was going to be more fired up about the fact that one of the Cardinal games here, the game they make clinch in, is on YouTube, and so you kind of, as the point guard. I get the ball in the hands of the people when I feel like they're going to optimize their chances to score, so to speak. In other words, I'm not going to turn to the cat and go, what did you think of Kelly Bryant's performance against South Carolina on Saturday? Because I know he didn't watch it. And even if he could have watched it, I don't know if he would have watched it. So I'm not going to ask him about that. Uh, and I'm not going to ask Doug about, you know, take your pick of like, you know, what do you think of, you know, whatever, you know, the Emmys, you know, I mean, because I, I know he's not watching that. So you try to get the ball in the hands of the people who's going to get going on something. So with regard to the show, I don't know how to answer what it is because it's not a sports talk show. And it's annoying when, like, we're wandering on a topic that at least two of us are riffing on. Like when we talked about the movie She's the One for a half hour today. Uh, and the budget. Then, and the budget. Of, yeah, not the film, the actual budget of the film. And, and then, like, you know, a hill jack will text in and go... Hey, Cardinals won last night. I'm like, that's fucking great. I bet Tom Ackerman's all over on KMOX and Bernie's all over on 101. I don't fucking know what to tell you. This is what we do. And we've been doing it for 15 years. Are you like alarmed that we're like wandering into random shit? So I don't know. I mean, it's, I guess that the foundation is, is sports, but not even really as a whole, because we're not going to like talk about non St. Louis related topics, unless it's something that maybe has a local angle to it, or it's something that just everybody's fired up about. Like when the Manti Teo girlfriend thing happened, I think we spent all three hours on that and treated it like it was breaking news, but for the most part it's local. Um, and it's, it's also flattering when people talk about, Oh, you, you guys should be syndicated. I'm like, listen, that's very kind of you. Um, but I don't know outside of this region how this show would play because it is localized. So, you know, I think that, I think the, the, the talent of the individuals on the show could certainly play outside of St. Louis, but the content and what we've done for 15 years is, is regional. Um, so yeah, man, my recommendation is Swope's picks. Anything else, gangster Pete, I know that you've been listening for 15 years and, and now on the inside, 
I mean, I just recommend keep listening and you'll figure it out. I mean, it's not brain, yeah, I guess. It's not brain surgery. It's just a lot of stuff. Like, it's a lot like, of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's just like inside joke versus inside joke. It might be like how people got into Game of Thrones. Like, I tried, and I couldn't figure out what the fuck was going on, and because I couldn't, I was bored out of my mind, and then at one point, it just clicks. That's what seems like happening. I mean, I've had friends that have started listening just since I started working on no, the show. No, really? Now, how is that, that Dunks? They're that, all, what, 30-year-old? Yeah, in their they, I mean, they love it. Like, really? I've had friends that have been listening since day one like me, but then I've had new ones that just got into it because I was working on the show, and now they're hooked on it. Really? They... they podcast at work like every day wonder what it is because i mean it's like when i when, when barstool was here and doing the show from ballpark village and a uh, young page views had texted me like an hour before they started about hey do you want to come on and come down here and sit on the stage with me in portnoy and i'm like oh you know if you would have given me just a little more notice i might have been able to do it but i think i was playing in that missouri quarterback club golf tournament out of Winghaven, so it wasn't even possible but i'm like because i'm out there i have a decent drive back home and so I listened to it and I'd never listened to it before I'm kind of like they're just sitting there bullshitting it reminded me of what we did and I enjoyed it but if I were to turn on like a strictly formatted radio station which I realize there's an audience for I'm not saying one is right and wrong or one is good and bad or anything like that it just doesn't appeal to me and I think that it's I think it, I think it's an age thing or a mindset thing perhaps would be better because I know we have people who are older who listen to the show. Um, but again, it's always kind of a phenomenon, like how, like this person here, they te- emailed it in, um, it's 25 years old in Chicago and I'm 42 and the cat's in his fifties and Doug's in his sixties and Iggy's in his sixties and gangster Pete's in his thirties and the Plowick's in his thirties. And the audience continues to get young. I mean, it's listen, if you're in our position, it's exactly what you want to have happen. I mean, I'm sure you can think of plenty of shows around the market and go, yeah, they're not getting any new listeners. They have who they have. And that's the way that it is, which is not really a business model of growth, but in St. Louis a place that's resistant to change and doesn't really want anything from the outside coming in more often than not. Although I think that's changing a little bit. Um, you know, that's, that's not a great, it's not a great business model, but you have people get pissed when people get, replace but you want to be growing so uh it's what you want it's just i don't know how to tell people to to get into it like if we started advertising the show i don't even know what the fuck we'd advertise i I have no idea what would we advertise like how could we how would we i have no idea i don't know listen to it see if you can figure it out (laughs) it's fucking all over the place i didn't intend on talking about she's the one what how did we how did we even get on that you I brought, really do think it's a good movie, though. I wonder, yeah, I would, you brought up that you were watching it. You were just mentioning to bed that you enjoyed it, and you were yeah. talking about who's all in it, and then somehow it got to the, the budget. The looked at and it, it and said it lost a bunch of money. Yeah. So it was his way of shitting on the movie, and then a bunch of people started texting in, including producer Joe, always listening and learning, that the budget was not $35 million. It was $3.5 million, and considering the actors and actresses who were in it, it struck us all as a little surprising. But you know they had points on it, at least you would think. I mean, Cameron Diaz wasn't a star at that time, but Jennifer Aniston had friends and John Mahoney at Frasier. Amanda Pete wasn't a star yet, so they probably had action on the back end, you know? But yeah, three and a half million dollar budget. Nobody was getting rich off the salaries for it, much less how much it cost. So yeah, I don't know how we get into this shit, but I'll <laughs> tell you that this, I would much rather talk about that than like, so in the fifth inning, Adam Wainwright ran into trouble against the Diamondbacks and he battled through and he was able to escape and then because of the Cardinal bullpen, he held on for the win. Let's take a look at Adam Wainwright's stats here. Pete, over his last five starts, 
Where would you put Adam Wainwright against the Braves, assuming that he is in the rotation for the NLDS? 855-282-8255. Now, here are a couple numbers that might make you think about putting him at home. What about putting him on the road? Would you do that? And then I'm just, I'd, I'd be just like sitting there and go, okay, I'm going to look and see what Abigail Max got going on Instagram. That's what I would do. If yeah, I'd be looking show. through my podcast. No, I'd be done. I'd be like, okay, it's fucking horrible. But there's like a, you know, like a, some people who like sit on message boards or whatever, and that's the stuff they want. I get it. But it's not what we do. And I'm glad it's not. And, it's, and if it ever got to a point where that's what we had to do, be like, okay, that's it. I will be switching careers. Or I will be moving to Jupiter. It's one or the other. Uh, all right. Another radio question. I don't recall these all being, although this isn't business stuff, I don't think. Hi, Tim. So let me preface this by saying I understand if you cannot comment. Uh-oh. And I will admit to being willfully ignorant on behind-the-scenes stuff. Number one, in a previous podcast, you discussed Donnie Brook, and it was put forth that you and David Hun should do a program, David Hun of the Post-Dispatch, should do a separate current events podcast. I would add Tony Messenger to that list. I enjoyed every single interview you've done with him. Okay, it's uh, not a question, but uh, I, I guess I'll respond to it. Yes, that is correct. We did talk about that. I would be interested in it. One of the things I think about, because um, this, I guess, is in reference to uh, the potential of, of buying the radio station, which, again, I say, and I'm saying very seriously, um, it's, it's 50-50. It really is. It's, it's, I, I have no idea... If we're going, I mean, it's not because it's not like we're not working on it. It's like, yeah, I don't know. We're working on it, but it's not as, and it's a tough spot because I'm the employee at the station, not the employee, but I'm an employee at the station. And I am obviously, you know, negotiating and working through all of this with my employer. It's not like I'm like, Hey, with a couple of people who are interested in investing in a, in a business, this is out there. We think we can do this with it. Are you guys interested in buying it? Okay. Let's talk with the owner the representative for the owner. I'm talking with my boss, you know, or a representative for my boss, or my boss is talking with a representative for me, or whatever the case might be. It's a weird spot. So you got to navigate it politely. And I have a great relationship with Randy Markell. Man just amuses the hell out of me. And anytime we're on the phone or meeting, it's the guy cracks me up. So we have a good relationship, but it's still, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a unique spot. Um, so, you know, if we were, so let's play this out. If we were to buy the station, there are so many things that I want to do. Um, but from learning from 2013 with 920, I don't recall where I heard this. It was on a podcast and Pete, I don't know if it was one that you listened to and recommended to me or if it was just somebody else. And it's not like you only would have heard it on this, but it's just something I know I listened to here recently and it might've been Rogan, which is why I'm bringing you into it. Cause I know you're a Rogan guy. You want to cut narrow and deep as opposed to, I guess the opposite would be wide and thin. In other words, focus on what we do well and do it deep, in other words, the best of our ability. And then once we do that, then grow. That's how I look at it. Um, is that a Rogan? I mean, not, not, I mean, anybody can say it, but I don't know if somebody was recently talking about I it. I didn't hear that recently on Rogan, but I don't listen to every single episode. Yeah. But I totally agree with the sentiment. Yeah, and so I got to make sure, because it's like there's a million things I want to do, but I can tell you this. I've said it on the radio. If this were to happen, and again, 50-50, but if it were to happen, my focal point and the people who would be involved in this with me, the focal point is not going, okay, now let's do this with the programming. Let's do this with video and let's do this with podcast. All of those things are there, but there is a structure to implementation of the plan. And in order for the business to work, it's the stuff that people don't really care to hear about, but I get it. 
the people care about like on air moves and the personalities. And I understand that what I'm telling you is critical is a sales staff. And that's why I said, I got to hire a general manager who can, who has a sales background to, to build a sales staff and run the business. So that's how we cut narrow and deep out of the gate. Um, so I'm interested in doing what you're talking about. That's from, this is from Casimir Pulaski, by the way, commander of the horse. You do know Casimir Pulaski? Oh, yeah. you do. He's another, is it just your friends at this point who are emailing in for questions? No, I just, I just, rec- I just recommend or recognize Casimir Pulaski from email. Of the oh, okay. I didn't know if this was like another Desmet guy. No, no. Uh, okay. Uh, so I, I love that idea. I mean, it's, it's certainly, like if we do this, this isn't like, oh, we're just doing this to buy a radio station. This is like, this is video. This is podcast. This is merchandise. This is events. And this is radio. And there is a chance that within five years, then it, I, I wouldn't say it's a likelihood, but there is a chance that within five years, the radio side Radio fifth of the model is one of the lower of the rankings as far as revenue by 2000, let's say 2025, which I know might sound counterintuitive, but we observe the business as it is. And some people would go, then why even mess with a radio station? Fair question. Been asked it before on questions from the audience. I'm bringing it to the table here to help explain the thought process. Well, in the short term, it is our belief, and I've had people who say otherwise, that if TMA, just just use TMA as an example, because I don't know what other shows do, and with TMAs, we've owned it for now for almost a decade uh, of its 15 years, I'm familiar with the revenue TMA brings in, how much of that revenue would translate to a strictly digital platform. So it's live streaming, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, whatever, if it weren't on the radio, that's, that, that's the first question we ask. Um, so with that said, it's something we certainly think about something we certainly talk about. I'm under contract for another two years, you know, so I'm, I'm, even if I don't buy the station, I am, uh, you know, obligated to, to be here and, and host the show. Um, and so, you know, that, that's, that's the situation, but we see a potential opportunity here, obviously. And that's why Randy and I continue to talk. Um, and they're good conversations. They really are. They're good conversations. I like them. I think he enjoys them too and laugh and all that stuff. And so it's a, it's a good, uh, negotiation, even though, like I said, it's a unique spot. And I always say that to Randy, but you're not my employee. And I go, but I mean, by definition, I am your employee. So it's a weird spot. It's not like I'm sitting here talking with somebody who owns a business that I have zero involvement with and we're interested in, in, in potentially getting something done. So it's a different, it's a different spot, different dynamic, but fortunately Randy's this laid back guy and we're able to have these conversations. Uh, so eventually I would love to do that kind of stuff. I mean, build like a network for lack of a better term, but I can't do what I did before that. I look back as you learn from these things, you make mistakes where I'm like, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. This, this. And then it's like, oh my God, we've just spread ourselves too thin. We've increased expenses too much. And we still haven't tended to the main issue, which is building a sales staff. So that is the first step. So it'll bore people, but that's really the first step. But to answer the question, yes, that's something I would love to do. Number two, I love the press box with Martin and Frank. What I think would be interesting is if they would move to a third hour and you incorporated some elements of the long, dearly departed writer's block. What if the third hour was a rotating cast? Monday, it's Hawkman. Tuesday, Ben, Fred. Wednesdays, Derek Gould, et cetera. Just a thought. Um, I mean, it's uh, one of the things, and I don't want to say it's, I don't, cause I don't want it to come off the wrong way. And this time I'm actually being serious when I say that, um, that, you know, I know will pop up if this all happens is 
programming questions, suggestions, and if changes are made at some point, people going, oh, that sucks. Why the, you know, and it's like, part of me is like, okay, you know, we're all going to have a conversation individually and say, here's how we're going to operate this thing. You know, if there is a parting of ways, you're welcome to be critical of the fact that we parted ways, but I assure you it's always going to be rooted in dollars. It's never personal. It's never personal. Um, that's, that's reality, just like any other business. But for whatever reason with radio, I guess because the personalities involved usually have type A personalities and can't imagine that they are not wanted, that they, and they have a platform that they lash out and then everybody goes, oh, as opposed to like the guy who got fired as being a salesman at, you know, it, 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 take your pick of whatever office furniture store or something, you know, I mean, it's just like any other business, it's productivity, except the productivity in this one is not ratings, it's advertising revenue, because this isn't a station that's based on ratings. So that's our reality. But that's also on the other side of it. We're not just talking revenue, we're talking about expenses. So what you have just done, Casimir Pulaski, commander of the horses, you just added expenses, you know, by hiring three people, um, Benjamin Hockman, Derek Gould, Ben Fredrickson. I know it sounds good to you, but I, what I'm thinking is, okay, well, now we just, now we just increased expenses by X and therefore we need to make sure that we can uh, sell Y because we have now just spent X and that's the reality. So again, cutting narrow and cutting deep. And so the focus would be on sales and not increasing expenses until we take care of the cut that needs to be narrow and deep. Uh, and the cut is not cuts per se, but I'm talking about selling. Uh, number three, I think it would be a real uh, improvement if the whole station went to the long form, hour long podcast. Boy, I'll tell you, that's just now, now I'm not sure. Now I'm going to lessen it to me buying the station at 40%. I've just moved it 10% because of this. Um, I'm making light of it, but it's, it's one of those things like I don't do well with, I could never win, um, an election because I can't like, Oh no, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked it because it's not a good question. It's a bad question. And, uh, it's a bad question because it, it, it wouldn't work for the advertisers. Uh, unless if you are saying then everything is, is live reads inside of but the issue is many companies don't want live reads. They want volume and they want recorded commercials on talk stations. I guess it still goes on to an extent on music stations, but certainly on talk stations, they want volume. And so while our audience likes it, it's not necessarily a format that um, I think you could run all day long because there are people that want those recorded commercials. We happen to do it. They allow us to do it, but it's, uh, it's not commonplace. That's for certain. Uh, and I'm not, just on the off chance, Casimir Pulaski, commander of the horse, you take that as me being mad at you about the question. It's just, this is, this has been my life for a long time. And, you know, like I don't show up at a restaurant, for example, and start talking to the people who run the restaurant, the chef or the manager. Like I know what the fuck I'm talking about because I've eaten at a restaurant before. So just because somebody's listened to a radio show or a podcast doesn't mean they have the understanding of how it works. Now, if you're asking the question, that's one thing. But then it's like, what the fuck are you doing with this? Why would you do that? It's like, well, I mean, you, I mean, unless you just think I'm completely incompetent and have, haven't thought through a move, then, you know, your, your tone sets, sets a, a foundation for a rather poor discussion. You, Commander Casimir uh, Pulaski, Commander of the Horse, have not done that. But inevitably, those will come 
even even when there was the article about me possibly buying the station, I immediately started getting emails about podcasts being down that I have nothing to do with, not even our show. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. Here's the person, you know, who I would recommend talking to. I don't know what to tell you. And I'm just, I don't, I don't know. I think about that. It's, it's, it's my own flaw. I respond to all emails. I know that. So if you sent an email and I didn't respond, now QFTA emails, I just put in a file. But if it's a question, I respond to them. But if the tone is a certain way, I'm just like, oh, this, this fucking guy. Love the content. Pissed that my email didn't get read in full yesterday. Really wanted Martin's comments on why a guy would have his penis in a separate cast than the rest of his body. Thanks. It's Casimir Pulaski, commander of the horse. Hey, Tim, couldn't be a bigger fan of your podcast. Every week I mean to shoot you questions for questions in the audience, but I never man up. Anyway, on to my point. After listening to the episode with Jeff Fisher... I couldn't help but wonder if a guy like Greg Williams would give juicier intel. I've heard some pretty great stories about Greg and Goodell after Bounty Gate. There's definitely no love lost between him and the NFL. However, he does have skin in the game now in Cleveland. Also can't claim these ideas of my own. Hell, I might have gotten it from your coverage. I'm 100% convinced the initial vote for the Rams move coming from the old guard was a statement that it was a bad precedent to deny public money that was committed to a new stadium. Not even worried if this is a question from the audience submission. I'm a couple vodkas in. Enjoy. Uh, that is from Brian. Uh, so let's see. Uh, I don't think you're going to have anybody who's working in the NFL just start talking about the relocation process. I think it's understood that that can't happen. I do think that as this story will not go away, and now you have Fred Rogan, and that's what I was saying at the end of the show today, Gangster Pete, and of course I interrupted myself and never got to it, the Fred Rogan sound, which I guess we could insert here, couldn't we? Uh, yeah. People? yeah, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, uh, so we'll play it here. Fred Rogan's a host in Los Angeles. I've been on his show. Um, I think he made fun of me uh, after I left, which I was always kind of like, oh, you know, you could have asked me these questions, but whatever. Who gives a fuck? I don't care. It's fine. It's part of the deal. Um, but he, what he said in this segment that we will play here momentarily for you, and then Gangster Pete, I've already listened to it, so you'll edit it in, and then I'll talk about it. Is uh, is 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 for my money, right on, and consistent with everything that I either did know at the time or have come to know since regarding relocation. But to answer Brian's question before we play that, because I was thinking that as I'm like, ah, fuck, I I never got to it today, which is my fault because I was texting you all the time. But hey, you got it, you got it, hey, you know. And then I, <laughs> I listened to it this morning; it was good. Yeah, so we'll we'll play it here in a second. Uh, and it's like what six, seven minutes. But it's good, man. It's Everybody like everybody should listen. 14. 15. Oh, is it really? Fuck. Um, so, um, yeah, as far as the theory on the old guard, I think that was a factor. I think it was Dean Spanos. I think it was people who didn't like Jerry Jones and Stan Kroenke just ramming legislation through, no pun intended. Um, but I'll give you my thoughts here. Here, here. This is Fred Rogan who tweeted out over the weekend. He's a host at, uh, I think it's 570 ESPN in Los Angeles. Been doing it for a long time. I think he's also a, a television guy. Um, and I, I texted Iggy about getting him on the show, on the podcast or the show. But uh, we can usually do longer form interviews on the, the podcast. Um, and he tweeted out that Stan Kroenke and Dean Spanos were not getting along because Spanos is not selling PSLs at the price he said he was going to be able to sell them when they moved into L.A., and therefore, Kroenke's pissed off because Spanos has lowered the price and he's not going to get as much money from Spanos, which, but that is the agreement. 
whatever Spanos makes, he gives to Kroenke. But because he projected, I think the projection was four hundred million, I think, in PSLs, yep. and now it's going to be one fifty, maybe. By the way, because I don't think there's a buzz for that there, and that's that's not just coming from my observations; that's coming from people who are there. Um, the Kroenke's pissed off, but that's the deal that the NFL put out there, and Kroenke's pissed off. And it's kind of like, well, dude, this is what you got in order to to get the the, the votes. So, with that said. Take a listen to this, and, I mean, really, if you can. I don't say this often on this stuff, especially when I'm just rambling on about ass-eating season and stuff like that. But really listen to this. Like, if, if you kind of find yourself getting it, really listen to this, because I'm telling you that there's only one thing out of the whole thing that I would say I'd like to uh, edit, so to speak, or insert, I guess would be the better term. Uh, here is Fred Rogan essentially just laying out how this whole thing played out. I'm surprised it's coming from Los Angeles. Not that he wouldn't know. I'm just surprised they're just brazenly saying what went on. But this this will sum it up from a different voice other than mine uh, on this topic. Here's Fred Rogan on the tension between Stan Kroenke and Dean Spanos, but how it all came to be. I mean, it's laid out on how this all went out with the, with the Rams moving from St. Louis. Take a listen. Let's get to this. I tweeted it out over the weekend. Uh, everybody looks for a villain in every story. I'll tell you a story, and then you tell me who the villain is. It involves the Raider or the the Rams and the Chargers, and some tension between the two organizations at this point. This is confirmed, and it's over the building of the Inglewood Stadium. That is confirmed as well. Before I break that down, a little history to get you caught up. In the National Football League, if a city does not give the owner the kind of stadium they believe is necessary, the only remedy is relocation. You can't find the city. You relocate. And that's built in to the agreements. The NFL had a grand plan. The Rams were in St. Louis. The Rams were not performing. Roger Goodell wanted a team in Los Angeles. It helps in the television negotiations. It was also time to move back out west. And he wanted a palace. He wanted a place that would emulate the feel of the NBA. He wanted Hollywood stars to be seen. He wanted them visible. He wanted this to be the number one entertainment destination on the planet. That was his plan for Los Angeles. Also, the plan all along was to put two teams here. Now, in California, as the Chargers know and as the Raiders know, you're not going to get public money for a stadium. That's not going to happen. No one is going to give you money to build a stadium in the state of California. It's going to have to be on your dime. So Roger Goodell looks around and he says, we need to come to Los Angeles. We want to build this palace. We need someone with money. And we need someone that knows how to build things. Stan Kroenke was the perfect man. Stan Kroenke is a developer. He is very well off. And the city of St. Louis was not going to perform, meaning they were not going to keep his stadium as a top-tier stadium. So is it safe to say that he need, he was looking, meaning Roger Goodell, and when we say Roger Goodell, it's the other owners as well because they Roger Goodell answers to those guys, um, that they were looking for someone because they weren't going to do expansion in L.A. That had been floated for a minute, that they were going to bring in a new expansion team. This was years ago. That was not going to happen. Um, and the fact it was going to be an existing team that they were looking for an owner with deep pockets. They were. And that man was Stan Kroenke. Yeah. Made complete and total sense. And by the way, in part of the grand plan, Stan Kroenke was going to come and build a stadium 
or two teams. Remember, that was part of the agreement. When this all started, two teams. One of those teams, Rodney, was supposed to be an expansion team. Mm -hmm. And in the master plan, Stan Kroenke would have built the Inglewood Stadium. A couple of years later, the NFL would have expanded. One team in L.A., one team in London or Toronto. If each of those owners that bought the franchises had to pay $3 billion just to get into the game, that's $6 billion to NFL owners. Yep. That was the grand plan. And off and running they went. Kroenke had the meetings with Englewood, was able to purchase the land, and then it seemed a foregone conclusion that the Rams would relocate, except for one thing. One thing. Dean Spanos and Mark Davis needed stadiums in their respective markets. And there were those that believed it was unfair to let Stan Kroenke simply move back to Los Angeles when Dean Spanos and Mark Davis were both closer to L.A. Certainly playing in older stadiums in than St. Louis was, yeah. So what happened was, as the grand plan was hatched, as Dean Spanos and Mark Davis got a hold of this, other owners around the league suddenly thought this was unfair, one of them being former Panther owner Jerry Richardson. He had a conversation with Dean Spanos and said, you know, you shouldn't let this happen. You should go to L.A. You need a stadium. And for the people in San Diego, not to belabor a point, you're well aware of the fact that down in San Diego, nobody was going to pay for that stadium. There had been numerous public votes. Everybody voted it down. Dean Spanos was not getting that stadium, and they needed it. And Dean Spanos was not paying for it. And he wasn't paying for it because Dean Spanos is a very wealthy man, but not in the division of Stan Kroenke. Right. There's a difference in divisions of wealth. And Dean Spanos was not capitalized enough to be able to pay for that new stadium. So they came up with a plan. He and Mark Davis, we're going to compete with Stan Kroenke and go to Carson. I think we all remember that. And as I said back at the time, Carson was never going to happen. It was simply a smokescreen. Never going to happen. Why? No matter what you heard, no matter what you read, no matter what anybody said, why? Because the plan all along was to put the Rams, Stan Kroenke, in Englewood and build this palace. But as things continued on, suddenly there was going to have to be a vote because there were those that supported the Carson plan, friends of Dean Spanos, friends of Mark Davis, within the ownership group. They thought, okay, Dean, you deserve it. And even the re- relocation committee, remember, they uh, they came out, which Jerry Richardson, as you mentioned, was the head of that committee, um, really believed that that was going to happen. Well, that was their recommendation. Yeah. But remember this, that was not the grand plan. No. That was their recommendation. So just before they have the vote, and that vote took place in Houston. I was there for that. Suddenly, there were three options. One, Rams to Inglewood. Two, Raiders and Chargers to Carson. Three, Rams plus one to Inglewood. Then it became a secret ballot. So people that had told mm-hmm. Dean Spanos to his face, yep. I'm voting for you, mm-hmm. didn't vote for him. Didn't vote for the Carson Project. Because the plan was already in place and the Rams were coming back. Stan Kroenke was going to develop the Inglewood project. So they have the vote. And at that point in time, the Rams win. But the league was aware of the fact that the vote was going to go a certain way. And suddenly they found themselves in a very difficult position. They had to come up with a plan to try and satisfy the Chargers and the Raiders, who desperately needed stadiums. 
And they did. And this was the plan. On this paper, we have terms about if the other team, that scenario with the Rams plus one, sign it now. Sign it now. Everybody sign it. Stan Kroenke signed one. And the number one team, which proved to be the Rams, had to cover everything. All expenses. Everything. They're on the hook for everything. Building the stadium. Developing the land. Everything. The number two team basically came in as a partner that didn't have to pay anything. So Stan Kroenke, all of a sudden, is on the hook for all of this. And if somebody were to come with him, they're coming for free, basically. They're here. He's footing the whole bill for everything. He's indemnifying the NFL if there was a lawsuit in St. Louis or Oakland or San Diego. But if, he, but does he care? Because he's got the golden goose now. He's got L.A. At that point. Got, at, that, at that point. Right. Absolutely, Rodney. Okay. At that point. That stadium was penciled out to be $1.9 billion. With cost overruns, it'll be about $5 billion. Keep that in mind. So after the Rams win, they come up with the plan that the Chargers have two years, Rodney, to decide if they want to come to L.A. If they pass, it's in the Raiders' option to come to L.A. And the thinking in the league is, within this period of time, they're going to figure this out. Somehow they'll get him a stadium in San Diego. Maybe they'll throw in a couple more bucks from the league side. Maybe they'll massage the public who will finally vote for the appropriation of funds. And for Mark Davis, they believe in the back of their mind he will take the Raiders somewhere else, which turned out to be Las Vegas. Off and running we go. The Rams are here one year. So that means Dean Spanos has one more year to make a decision. Nobody, nobody thought that Dean Spanos would actually pull the trigger. And when he announced, I am accepting my option and coming to L.A., and again, the reason he did that is because he saw no hope in getting that facility at all in San Diego. So then if that's the case, then why didn't anybody believe that he was coming to L.A.? I mean, if they knew, I mean, and everybody did know this, that there was no chance for them, no public money, the vote got voted down every time they went. it, it went to a vote in San Diego, and he was not going to foot the bill himself, why did they think that he was not going to exercise that option, meaning the NFL? Why did they think that he wasn't? Because somehow, some way, they thought he'd play ball, they'd figure it out, they would get it done. They had enough to worry about. We're building Inglewood now. They had enough to worry about. He pulled the trigger, which he absolutely had the right to do. Had the right to do. He was able to relocate. They gave him that option, and he took it. That's not on Dean Spanos. That's on the league. So now here he is. Remember what I told you? Who was responsible for all costs of the stadium? Stan Kroenke. Uh -huh. Now, you've heard the term PSL, the personal seat license. And the way the NFL works is, for the right to buy certain season tickets, you have to ha pay for the seat and then buy the tickets. So where does that money go? In some instances, good seats for the Rams were $75,000 for the personal seat license. Where does that money go? It goes back to pay for part of the construction of the stadium. Now, the NFL estimated that they would be able to sell each team 
and I don't know how they came up with this number, $400 million worth of PSLs, $800 million. And really the only contribution the Chargers had to make were the PSL sales because that mm-hmm. goes back to the construction of the stadium. Right. Okay. Well, the Chargers get here and realize that the Rams are in the number one spot. It's going to take them time to build. They know they are not going to sell as many PSLs, and certainly at the price that Stan Kroenke is. Not going to happen. So the Chargers decide we have to build a fan base. It's going to take us a while, and we'll do so. We will charge less for our PSLs. We are not going to be able to deliver $400 million. By the way, that was never in writing, but we're not going to be able to do it. Maybe we'll get you 320 we hope, but we can't do $400 million. At which point, Stan Kroenke decides, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm charging this. You're paying nothing. You're undercutting me. And now you're not even going to be able to deliver on a number that at best was a guess. Let me tell you something. The Chargers did nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. They are not culpable. They are not the villain. They were living up to the letter of the NFL agreement. Give them the PSL money. We will. But we can't charge as much because we're now aware of the fact it's going to take us longer to build our fan base. There's part of the tension. Stan Kroenke, the overruns on the stadium are excessive. Cost of doing business. Chargers, who are under no obligation to do anything but give the PSL money and nothing in writing about how much it should be, will give them what they have. But it's not what they thought. But that's not the Chargers' fault. They did nothing wrong. Now there is this. You will hear talk that Dean Spanos has no money. You will hear talk that Dean Spanos is borrowing money. That is correct. He is borrowing money. It is incorrect to say he has no money. The money he is borrowing is going to pay down the relocation fee of $650 million. By NFL rules, that is legal and must be approved by the National Football League. By the way, the Rams and Raiders may ask for that as well. So yes, that's being financed per NFL rules. But what you will hear is that he has no money. So he is borrowing to keep the franchise afloat. That is an incorrect statement. Now the thought, well, maybe they'll just go back to San Diego. That is an incorrect thought. And here is why. The reason they left is the reason they can't go back. There's no stadium. The city and the county are not going to pay. They're not going to donate enough money. So the reason he left is really the reason they wouldn't go back. And once you got here, with the appreciation of your asset, why would you want to go back? It's worth more here. In this story, where Dean Spanos, and people are surprised, I guarantee on Twitter people are surprised because I thought I was going to bash him today. I have to tell you something. He's done nothing wrong, Rodney. Nothing. 
nothing wrong. Is there a villain in this story? Sure. Who's the villain? The NFL. <laughs> Always. The NFL is the villain. The NFL drew up that agreement. Not Stan Kroenke. And not Dean Spanos. And by the way, no one had to sign it. But they all did. No, their eyes were on the prize. Their eyes were on the prize. So as this starts to leak out, and it will, I got a hold of it over the weekend. I made calls. I talked to people at the NFL. I talked to people with the franchises. As this starts to leak out, it's going to be massaged to appear a certain way. What, whatever the interest of whoever is leaking it has. The truth is what I told you. He did nothing wrong. He's really, whether you like the Chargers or don't, whether you want them here or you don't, whether the people in San Diego are upset or they're not, truly the bottom line, Dean Spanos really has done nothing wrong. You know, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency is my insurance agent. So this is a first-hand endorsement of James Carlton and his staff in Webster Groves, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. I think a lot of people just go, okay, well, I've got a guy, I've got a lady, I'm good, I don't really care to talk about insurance, it's something, you know, I'm 25, whatever, and that's fine. I understand. I used to think the same way, and then I go down to my basement on March 30th of 2019, and the basement's flooded, and the world changes. It just so happens because my interactions with James have been so positive that my wife and I switched to James Carlton uh, in late 2018. And I'm telling you, if we had not, the odyssey that has been a flooded basement throughout all of this precipitation in St. Louis would have been infinitely more difficult to navigate without somebody as active. And on top of it is James Carlton. His phone number is 314-961-4800, or you can go online at carltoninsurance.net. And even now, he still checks in. You know, I mean, it's it's just a different ball game. And even before we had that, which, of course, was a substantial issue, um, you know, we weren't covered on, on something, or I've forgotten to make a payment. It wasn't like it was like some monster payment. It was a small payment. But he's like, hey, just so you know, uh, you haven't made this payment. We want to make sure that's taken care of so you're covered. It's just... It's, it's just different. It's different in a much better way. And that's why, you know, if, if you ran into me at a, at a bar or restaurant and said, hey, you know, and I have had it happen. Hey, Tim, who's that insurance agent? People email me. And I go, oh, it's James Carlton. Here, let me include him on the on the email. And I know he's going to be on top of it. I don't think twice about it. It's not like I'm like, oh, yeah, let me tell you about him. And then somebody actually wants to follow up. And I'm like, oh, God, I hope he does okay. The best, the absolute best. And you're talking about your biggest investments so you want to make sure they're taken care of properly. James Carlton and his staff at Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency will certainly do that. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. So I watched that. I had a few people tweet to me, saw it posted on the TMA fan page. And I was listening to it. I was listening to it actually and watching while I was, uh, was out. And then, uh, and I was, I'm on this Chick-fil-A kick right now. I mean, a lot of Chick-fil-A. And fortunately, I work out daily because if I wasn't, I don't know what I'd be doing to my body with uh, with eating as much Chick-fil-A as I have. And the reason is because of the Popeye's advertising. And then they don't have the sandwich. And then I'm like, well, I'm still craving a chicken sandwich. Then I go to Chick-fil-A. So now I'm hooked on this Chick-fil-A thing. 
But anyway, so I'm in line last night at Chick-fil-A. I'm very proud of this. And, uh, and the line's not really moving as quick as it normally does. And I, uh, so I get a chance to watch it and then I'm listening to it and I'm like, this is incredible. And I'm wondering if people who are watching or listening to this clip from Fred Rogan in St. Louis are as it, I don't, I wonder what their reaction is to it. So I'm curious what people's reaction. I mean, many of you just listened to this for the first time right now and what your reaction is to it. And I will tell you this. Everything that he said is consistent with everything that I either was told at the time, learned on my own at the time, or have come to know since, which is essentially the following. The NFL wanted to be in Los Angeles. That is truth number one. The NFL was not going to expand to Los Angeles, which he mentions, truth number two. And so, therefore, the NFL needed a franchise who could get out and move to Los Angeles, truth number three, and then to narrow it down to how we got to Stan Kroenke and perhaps most importantly, and why Kroenke had Jerry Jones playing the role of House Majority Whip in order to get the legislation passed. They needed an owner who could and would privately fund it. And that's how we get to the Los Angeles Rams in 2016. Um, The only thing that I would say, and I would think, and maybe Fred will be on with us at some point, the only thing that I would say that is not included in that explanation and telling of the story, I mean, that's the story right there. Uh, And it's obviously sourced, and it has to be sourced, I think, from somebody on the inside with the Rams or Chargers. So, therefore, they're letting some of the the laundry out, all while there is a huge suit in St. Louis going on, which is awfully intriguing to me. Uh, The only thing that I would insert there is it was not mentioned that, yes, initially St. Louis was not putting up a fight, but then St. Louis put up a fight, and it still was, and I use, again, pun unintended, but I'm still using it, rammed through despite that. Why? Because it had already been predetermined. And, and by that, I mean, and I don't know when, you know, that was kind of like the focal point that Jeff Fisher and me discussed. And, you know, as Ben Frederickson wrote in his opinion, he, you know, exhibited why they would never want Jeff Fisher or any of the Rams representatives on the stand because, you know, they stumble through explanations because they're in this spot where it is my opinion that they knew for a while. And I don't, I really don't believe Jeff Fisher knew when he was hired in January, 2012. I believe he knew as we all did that it was a possibility. Now there's some revisionist history, Malcolm Gladwell podcast. There is some revisionist history on what went on here locally with the media and with some fans on how this thing was covered. And as I said last night on the TMA fan page, whenever TMA comes to an end, because I occasionally ask what's my favorite segment or what, what surprised you most about the show, proudest about the show, one of the things, and it's not funny at all, but one of the things I'm most proud about the show is that from the moment Stan Kroenke spoke at Jeff Fisher's press conference in January 2012, until the vote in Houston in January 2016, our show was on that as the focal point when we would talk about the Rams. 
Sure, they would play a game in case Keenum would throw the ball around and they might hang with somebody and occasionally beat the Seahawks. But we would always say it doesn't fucking matter if they're moving. And I remember looking at the text inbox during a lot of these discussions and it would piss a lot of people off. But it's but in 2019, as we've seen, this was going on even back in 2015 or 2013. Take your pick of whatever year. Even the 2000s, the aughts and the 90s, people have kind of gotten used to listening to or watching things that bolster their already preconceived held notions. So when they're hearing from a show they like, things that they don't want to hear, it becomes an inconvenient truth, Al Gore. And this was our observation. I mean, I'm telling you, and I'm sure Buck Swope has it in his Swope's picks on it. We play the Stan Kroenke sound the morning after the, uh, the, the Fisher press conference, and I say to Doug, Doug, what's your takeaway? Well, the Rams are moving. That's January of 2012. And you had a bunch of people in St. Louis, fans and media, like scolding people for saying that. And so it helped them sneak out the back door that you had people scolding people for talking about it. That's a real thing. Like, if we had that on our hands, I'd be like, man, you know, we had a nice run and people loved it and that was great. And we certainly had fun. But, man, we really fucked up, like, the biggest story that was going on during our tenure. That's That would be tough. I mean, I'd be fine. I'd be sleeping fine. But that'd be, that'd be something because I know it would stick with us. But I'm very proud of that. I'm, I, it's, it's, it's similar to when people talk about you know, I, I use the Iraq war as an example often. I need to come up with a better example. But who voted against it in the moment? It's easy now to go, well, that was a mistake. I voted for it. But who voted against it in the moment shows not only judgment, but also courage to go against the grain, especially a couple of years after September 11th, not even two years, 18 months after September 11th, because you don't believe it's right and it's unpopular and it might cost you your job. Wow. And that's unheard of right now. We're only talking about 16 years ago. So for us, listen, I'm not, I'm not by no means am I drawing a parallel and saying it's apples to apples, but in our business, we got a lot of hate from people because we were talking about it, but I'm very proud of the fact that we talked about it and it's not like we knew but we had Eric Grubman on, and that's when he said something along the lines of, well, I mean, they can put a stadium proposal forth, but if the owner doesn't like it, he doesn't have to take it. And you're going, hold on a second. What in the hell is going on here? And so it, it was clear. Okay, we've got the guy, we've got the land, and we've got the out. It's the Rams. Okay, now as you just heard Rogan say, now we've got a problem. Some of the guys want Spanos to be taken care of. And then you got the Raiders situation. And we've always, and this is something he didn't include. I think this is part of it. We've always been able to get new stadiums. I mean, think about like Minnesota. I don't know if you were paying attention to this, but the Vikings got a new stadium because they use Los Angeles as leverage. So if we are finally going to put a team in Los Angeles, then we can no longer use Los Angeles as leverage to get a stadium in Oakland and a stadium built in San Diego. It's over. So now we've got to solve all the problems at once. That's what I, I, I believe that was a factor. Nobody's ever told me that. I that This is just me going, okay, he's on a flush draw based on the behavior. So you have that. So that's why they wanted to tie it all up. And then it's like, oh, yeah, and then we have these fucking guidelines. Okay, Eric, get on your $5,000 suit. 
grease your hair back and go stand on a stage and, and listen to people cry and tell you why you don't want their, your, their football team to move. And we got to do this because our guidelines say town hall, antitrust issues. So we got to do this. And so what has gone on? About, I don't know when it was, Pete, maybe you know, Benjamin Albright came on our show. And some people might go, who's Benjamin Albright? I think it was like six months ago. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Six months, nine months. I got nothing. I know I was you. in St. Louis when I was doing a Facebook Live. It might have been longer. It might have been like December last year. I don't know. And out of nowhere, he's talking about on Twitter. And he's, he's a oh, talk yeah, show host. Oh, yeah, the guy about the host Chargers. Yes. Yeah. He's talking about the Chargers coming to St. Louis. And I'm going, what in the fuck <laughs> is this? Except he was the guy who throughout the whole Rams to Los Angeles thing was just kind of like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'd love to draw a parallel on something I know that other people don't know. And, and they'd just be like, well, no, that's not true. And be like, yeah, you can, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's true. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. That's what I was thinking about the whole time I was listening this morning. I was like, how do we get these chargers back to St. Louis? Yeah, were you right on that? <laughs> and, and so Albright, when he would be asked about the Rams and moving to Los Angeles, and he would be a guest on people's shows, I think he was on our show once before the Chargers thing. Because we were at 920. I can always, for whatever reason, picture what studio I'm in when these things are happening, which is really fucking weird. But I, that's what I can picture. And he was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, now St. Louis can try, but the Rams are moving to L.A. No, I hear you. But, yeah, the Rams are moving to Los Angeles. And it would just, like, and it drove people. People were like, fuck this guy. Who's this guy? Because he was saying things they didn't want to hear. But I'm just like, okay, we got done with the interview, and I think I probably said to Doug in the county, like, okay, he knows something. Because that's just, that's not the way, like, La Confora would come on and talk about, or Amy Trask, where they're kind of going, yeah, you know, but this, but then you do this. He's just like, listen, motherfuckers, you might not like it, but the Rams are moving to Los Angeles. Well, then, as it turns out, he covered the Denver Nuggets in Denver and had, as was pieced together, a rapport with Josh Crocky is what we were being told. And then, therefore, people were putting two and two together. So when Benjamin Albright says that the Chargers and St. Louis, if I were in St. Louis, I'm paraphrasing now, if I were in St. Louis, I would be all over trying to bring the Chargers to St. Louis. I'm paraphrasing. And I said to Gangster Pete, and he said, we got to get Benjamin Albright on. And again, all of this is paraphrasing. And he was a great guest, kind guy, has a following, God bless him. And we have him on. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he said, I said, what are the chances that the Chargers move to St. Louis? And he goes, I would say, thir- I think he said 33%, didn't he? Way higher than I would expect it. And I, I mean, I remember almost falling out of my chair. Yeah. And I'm going, okay, now I got to put this together. And if I'm putting this together, if he does, in fact, if he does have a relationship with the Cronkie family, then there's a reason why he's out there floating this. This is how... I'm getting, I'm explaining the thought process. So then here we are, I think nine months later, I think you have Fred Rogan, who certainly was, is certainly is in the know as to what happened with this whole process. I can corroborate. like the, the Carson thing was like the, when he, like if you would have said, yeah, and then you had, uh, you know, Oakland and San Diego comes up with the Carson solution, you know, and that was a real option. I would have gone, okay, well now he. But he goes, yeah, and Carson was a smokescreen. I'm going, okay, yeah, all right, we're, you know, it was. It was 100% smokescreen. Always was. Um, which all added to the whole bullshit process that here he is now. He's clearly sourced on what's going on between Cronky and Spanos, which then leads to why it was being floated out that 
the Chargers should move to St. Louis and St. Louis should pursue the Chargers because now we can kill two birds with one stone. Stan's trying to avoid discovery and being deposed in St. Louis and he realizes, yes, he probably can do that, but it's going to cost him like $200 million to do it. And the NFL doesn't want him to go through that. And the NFL doesn't want to go through it. The owners don't want to go through that. And, and Stan has a partner, loosely using that term, in his stadium who he doesn't want, who isn't going to be able to bring much money to the table. And now he's splitting dates and the market with, even if the Rams have a much larger market share than the Chargers, nobody's coming up from San Diego to watch a team that they feel like abandoned them, even if it's only a couple hours away, depending on traffic. And yeah, let's get them out. And maybe if we give St. Louis an NFL team, they'll get off me. And so that's how the whole thing got going. Now, I think, and it's not necessarily, well, I can't, I would say this. I've talked with two people I wouldn't necessarily consider. I don't know how you would describe them. There's certainly credible sources who would be in the know. Let me put it that way. And they're just like, yeah, that's not happening. That's not happening. One of them laid out all of the reasons why he can't. Um, and that's coming from the Southern California perspective. And then another one coming from the St. Louis perspective is like, yeah, that's not happening. Um, that, that, you know, while you can see how you can start theorizing that that would be, but that's not happening. So the, the Chargers to St. Louis thing, I wouldn't get your, your Bolts hats at this moment. Um, but Stan Kroenke does, at this moment, have to answer questions. Now, what I think is going to happen, they they've filed they've sent their appeal up to the United States Supreme Court. Spoke with someone about that. So what are the chances the Supreme Court hears that? I mean, we're talking about the Supreme Court. And it just rolled his eyes. I'm like, okay. Uh, and I said, okay, so does that mean that Stan Kroenke's going to be deposed? And he said, he's going to do everything he can not to do that. So eventually he might just have to peel off his biggest check yet, but he's just not going to do that, which would mean St. Louis would get a bunch of money. Now, if you're St. I'm sure many of you polled St. Louisans. I don't know. It depends on who you are and where you are. I'm sure some people are like, he can keep his $200 million. I want to. I want to hear what he. I want to hear what he has to say. Because I think, and, and and so from the Southern California perspective, when I have these conversations, they're like, "Why do people even care?" And I, I go, you know, I get it because you're coming at it from from there, but people here, there's there's a sensitivity here in St. Louis, as there would be with many other cities that aren't what they once were and are hoping to get back there um, that Los Angeles doesn't have, that Miami doesn't have, that New York City doesn't have. You know, you take our NFL team, you take our second one in 30 years, but you portray it as it's because of us. That's the problem. And had he simply said, and I'm sure he had his reasons, even though I might like him, this is, a, we have the right to do it. St. Louis didn't come to the table per the terms and we have the right to do it. And therefore we are going to move to Los Angeles. It's better for our franchise, but he just like shit all over the region on his way out the door. And also it's theorized, you know, like all they would show the empty seats at the domes. So this reflects it's a baseball town and the team was just, horrible and drafting and signing horrible players. It's like, okay, was this like a major league as in the Corbin Burns and Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson, uh, Woody Harrelson wasn't in that. 
He was in Wildcats. Well, had Woody Harrelson been in it, Major League. Uh, what was that? Uh, the owner's name, Rachel. Is it Rachel Phelps, the owner of the Cleveland Indians in Major League. I can see her. Yeah, because they started taking her clothes off one by one with every yep. passing win. And so that's the issue. Now, listen. You're right. Rachel Phelps. Had Kroenke said that, and he didn't say anything once the Jeff Fisher press conference took place up until he did his uh, energizing press conference in Houston, people still would have been pissed off. But I think for a lot of people, it was that it was portrayed as a fair game when reality it was already rigged. And on top of the fact that it was rigged, you then made it out to be St. Louis was at fault as if St. Louis would have been this better city with a better plan, you would have stayed. I think at the nucleus of the discussion, that's what we have. And I'm sorry that four years hasn't helped heal those wounds. So people want to hear that. Now, I have also had people in Southern California say, I'm not so sure when it gets down to it, there are people in St. Louis who really want Stan to be deposed because they're going to have some blood on their hands. Uh, now, again, I don't know if that's the case, but I can tell you I've been told that. Um, and it's not like anybody like then rattles off names. But I recall, I mean, I, I, I really thought this, I don't want to call it a gotcha moment, but I was anxious to see what his response would be, especially since he was sitting across from me. Sitting here with Jay Nixon in the studio um, and saying, what is your response to those who would say, and who did say actually, that the task force was nothing but political cover for those who were in office, ranging from, of course, Jefferson City to St. Louis and St. Louis County, um, to make it look like they're really trying to keep the Rams and they already know that this thing is over. And he goes, well, I'll be happy to meet anybody who says that anytime, anywhere and, and hear their perspective. And then I'll tell them all they're wrong. I'm like, okay, if that were, if somebody were to say to me something that I know is false and they want to put it out there, that's exactly how I would respond. I go, all right, you put up your money. I'll put up my money and then we'll put it to the people. And then I get to keep your money. If you're wrong, if you want to put that out there about me, that's fine. Then that, that's how I would respond. So that was his response. I'm kind of like, well, fuck, that was pretty, that was pretty confident. So. Do I think Stan Kroenke will wind up being deposed? The answer to that is no. Do I think he will wind up cutting a check to St. Louis? The answer is yes. Um, what do I think will wind up happening with Dean Spanos and the Chargers? Uh, I think he will remain in Los Angeles for the near future, but I do not think that is the long-term play for the Chargers. But I don't think that means that they're coming to St. Louis. There is one family in St. Louis who could who could do it, and it's the Taylors. Um, but I don't I don't know if there is a real appetite there. Um, I had one source tell me that uh, Andy Taylor is not a big football fan, and I don't know if that's he just does not like the sport and is therefore not interested, or he does not like what he has seen from the league and is not interested. But um, again, that's one person telling that. I also feel like when I start talking about this stuff. Now, I, I know I'm telling the truth that I'm not just like going in a source that like when you read like a Us Weekly article and a source close to Jennifer Aniston says, and I'm like, <laughs> if these are really friends of Jennifer Aniston's, why is she <laughs> surrounding herself with people who go to the tabloids? But, you know, this this isn't like, hey, you know, Andy Teller's telling me, you know, who has the best appetizers in St. Louis and here's the dish. 
this is, you know, regarding the St. Louis centric issue, which I know he does care about. Um, but anyway, but I think people see this and they go, oh, maybe the Chargers would move here, but there's a whole lot to that. Okay. Is Dean Spanos going to move? What's the NFL going to do about relocation? You still have a situation now with that building in Los Angeles, where are they going to play? So listen, I'm telling you, it is, I, I have had a lot of people, when I tweet some stuff out or I talk about this, it is, it is, even though at this point it is approaching being four years since that vote, and it'll be four years here in about a month since I went out there on my reconnaissance mission to Oakland and San Diego and uh, LA. And I was flying back. I don't even remember. I was back and forth. It was nuts. I've never really traveled like that. We're like one, like, in the, okay, we're going to be in Oakland in the afternoon. Okay, now we're going to be in San Diego. Okay, now we got to go back up to LA. Okay, now we're meeting with the mayor in Carson. Now we're going to look at the stadium site in Carson. Okay, now we're back down to San Diego to meet with the mayor of uh, San Diego. I mean, it was all over the place. But I'm just like, if I can see it, if I can see these people as they talk, I think I'll have an idea of who's serious and who's not. And I'm telling you this, the Carson mayor absolutely believed that he was going to get a stadium built in his city. He absolutely did. He absolutely did. It was one of the most fascinating meetings of the whole trip was the meeting with the Carson mayor. I wonder if that guy's still in office. Um, that was October of 2015. The San Diego mayor was just exasperated by the whole thing because he knew they couldn't get public. You can't, as Fred Rogan said, as you heard, can't get public funding in California. So he can't do anything. And I remember saying, my car, he goes, how are things up in LA? I just gotten down from LA, just driven down. And I go, good. So I'd got a chance to tour the Carson site. And he goes, oh yeah, how's that? I go, it seems like it's a bluff. <laughs> And he goes, I trust your instincts on that one. I go, okay, good. Because the mayor of Carson certainly doesn't think it is. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm telling you. I, I There's so much here. Because I think I think people on the outside go, oh, it's St. Louis whining about losing a team. And I don't blame people for thinking that. Because I'm sure plenty of us looked at like Baltimore Colts fans or Cleveland Browns fans or Houston Oilers fans. Take your pick and go, oh, you lost your team. You should have been better or supported your team, whatever. And now it's on us again, except we know that there is a lot here. The problem is, in order for the story to ever be told, you have to, like, beat 32 billionaires who will do and are capable of doing whatever to make sure you are not able to beat them. And then it's like, okay, we got the information. We actually have the smoking gun. And, and then it's like, well, you think ESPN's going to run that story? Is it partners with the league? No. I mean, I can, I can sit here and pontificate from my podcast, but people are, oh, you're a St. Louis guy, you know? So then I'm blown up as not being credible. But, you know, the thing that Kevin Demoff would say over and over again, whether we were just on the phone, the two of us, or when we would be interviewing on the air, it will get worse before it gets better. And I mistakenly took that as, oh, it's going to get better, but it's just going to have to get worse beforehand. And no, it just, it just was going to get worse, period, which is true. So that's how he handled it. He did say that over and over again. So, I mean, they knew. They knew. See, I think I don't think Jeff Fisher did himself any favors when he said, yeah, I didn't know until Kevin called me and said how he's like to be the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams. Like, oh, man. If anybody was believing this beforehand, then at that point, 
So there it is. There's that. Email me with your thoughts. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Ryan Kelly's the home loan expert, and he is the sponsor of our studios here on the Tim McKernan Show. Without him, we don't have a podcast. So make sure you're supporting our sponsor, Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. And with interest rates dropping and this being home buying season, this is a prime time to get in and get yourself a great rate and lock in. Or if you want to refinance, now's the time to do so. Ryan Kelly's the person to do it with. He is online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, the studio sponsor of this program. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Um, this, I thought I, I thought I'll read it. I don't, I'm not familiar, but Gangster Pete, maybe you are. Tim, I know you are always keeping your eye on content that gets eyeballs. I'm not really though. But that's fine. I have no problem with the premise. Have you seen Kyle Reese's videos on his prospects after dark episodes on Periscope? Always multiple thousands of viewers by the end. And he has a formula that I think you'd appreciate talking sports and also topping, talking topics like porn. Um, he honestly strikes me up as an up and coming Tim, both in the fact that he both in the fact that he, you could listen to him talk about wallpaper and it would be entertaining like yourself. And also that he is absolutely willing to be funny and talk about perverted topics like you do on TMA. Truly he reminds me of you and that he is so that he so easily vacillates between quote, normal topics and porn and sex stuff. It's hilarious. Hope this doesn't come across as, Oh, check out this man in a bad way. Roll Tide. That's from James, the glory hole lawyer. Gangster Pete, are you familiar with Kyle Reese and Pod Prospects After Dark? I am not, but I am going to look into it. I, when I got this email, on, I got it on Friday, so over the weekend, I went and watched it. And he and I and I the first one I the only one I watched. He was doing a show. I think he was topless from his bed. And I'm like, oh, I had just done my show, stealing my thing from which, of course, has been stolen from Howard Stern. Uh, my thing has been, but I mean, it's a, who knows he's been doing, I, I gather he's been doing this a lot and he's got a following and it was certainly entertaining. It was definitely different than like, you know, like a hardcore, okay, the Cardinals just lost. What do you think thing? You know, I can tell he's got a great personality. Um, but up until this email, no, I was, I did, I was not a viewer of that. Um, but at the same time, I'm not a viewer of those types of things as it is, you know, just in general, but I, I recognize that there's a, like I know Clay Travis, for example, does, does he still do that on a daily basis where he does like a Periscope show? Do you know I, don't, I don't, I don't see it on my Twitter timeline like oh, I really? used to. Yeah, I used to see it all the time Yeah, Twitter timeline. I know he's got a lot more going on now. He's got that TV show and his radio show. Yeah, so maybe so he's gotten away from it. Yeah, so I don't know. But anyway, I mean, I can tell the guy's got a great personality. Um, and I like, and I, I like that that is the direction that some people are comfortable going into now. Cause I think that's, and I don't think that's a necessarily a reflection of TMA or me. Um, I mean, I think it's more barstool far nationally goes, um, not more. I think it is. And, um, but I think it's, cause that's how people really talk. I mean, you used to be able to get whacked if you would accidentally curse. And now it's just like, Oh, drop out of it. You know, it's a stupid rule. And you know, for maybe another 10 or 20 years, we're not going to be able to say the word fuck on the radio. And then those people will be dead and then we'll be able to say it. And we'll just kind of be like, Oh yeah. Why did we like make such a big deal out of that? You know, because people associate some people associate with somebody who says fuck is then therefore being a bad person. It's like I said on the radio the other day, 
regarding, which was a very good question that it was intended for questions in the audience. Um, now that I have a son, now that I have a child, um, is there stuff that I have said on the radio that I'll be like, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. And on, the honest answer is, listen, I'm sure there are. I'm, I, I guess I should say this. I'm sure there are things, but what the, the, the general question is basically, do you regret being as open about sex and your thoughts on it now that you have a child? Which I think is a great question. But the truth is, the answer is no for me because it's truly what I think and it's how I will raise him. So I don't, I like, it's not, it's not like I'm like, oh God, you know, he's, he's now experiencing puberty and attracted to whomever he's attracted to. And oh my God, what am I going to do? I mean, that's just, that's part of the deal. And I think it'd be more healthy to have conversations about it and not make it taboo in the house than demonizing it. And I don't, I don't think I'm going to change. I know some people might go, Oh, wait till he's, you know, or wait till you have a daughter. I don't know. Maybe that'll be, maybe be, I just, this is, this has been pretty constant here for a long time. I really feel strongly about this. Actually, I, I also recognize again, as I say often on this podcast, I'm in the minority and I recognize that certainly more in the minority in Missouri than I would be if I were in California or something. Um, but what I, I'm not mad about being in the minority. It's, just, it's not like everybody else is going, oh, you, sh you know, people trying to ruin my life and say I shouldn't do it. They're just like, oh, he's a creep and he says stuff that I totally disagree with, but they don't like fuck with me about it. And if people are super religious or, or they just think it's wrong, even if they're not a religious, God bless, to each their own. But I do find the, um, I don't know what the right word I'm looking for. I guess I would use, hypocrisy or double standard of how broadcasters in like, like these, these like fake world or politicians even, uh, like they can't possibly be on a show with a porn star and have to distance themselves because they might get in trouble. But if they're hanging out and taking pictures and joking with somebody who, you know, has like, you know, bunch of DUIs or domestic abuse charges or whatever the case might be, that's, that's fine. But you can't possibly be on with the porn star who's working in the sex industry legally. I'm, 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 I'd love an explanation of that. If anybody does have an explanation of that, I would love to hear, because maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody goes, well, no, here's why. But I just think it's a, the puritanical root of the country that we have this dogma that you go, of course, does anybody ever get in trouble for Lisa Ann's on? Well, no, Lisa Ann actually has the best football information of anybody on our show. By far, by the way. Oh, and she happens to fuck on camera. I don't know. I mean, who fucking cares? And then she comes into town and helps raise money for charity. And then from Los Angeles, she'll help raise money for Larry Nickel. So I think it's fucking with people that it's like, these things that you grew up being told are wrong, and then therefore these people are bad people. And now you start to see them as people, and you go, oh, it's a case-by-case -case basis, just like every other motherfucker. And she happens to be a good, intelligent businesswoman who's in an industry that most of you probably aren't participating, but most of you are probably patronizing. But I have to act like you don't. So whatever. I talk about it. I don't think it's that big of a deal. But I know that for a lot of people, it makes them uncomfortable. I don't know. I find, I find, I find the whole thing to be odd. And I don't know if that's going to change. Like, like, like I do think that you'll be able to say fucking shit, all that stuff on the radio soon. 
But I don't know if that stigma on sex workers will change or not. I don't know. Gangster Pete, any thoughts on this? Gangster I believe in free speech, baby. What about what the, the, you, do you know what, do you agree with what I'm saying? That like if somebody who worked in television right. or politics, those to me stand out to be the most phony of the two industries because uh, you're a public figure and you have to act like you're one thing when you're not, like I said, a net well, benning in American Well, I think you said it beauty. best. It's phony when you're not being yourself. And I think when people are themselves, they cuss. They talk about stuff that in the past hasn't necessarily been proper. Socially acceptable. Yeah, socially acceptable, proper for the airwaves, whatever. So I think it's great that it's anytime that we can take down those walls and you can be more yourself and not phony, that's a good thing in my opinion. No. Yeah. It's been destigmatized or it's made people, I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. Like, like I love, um, that people are just like, you know, like when, when Lisa Ann is in town, that my wife who I'm being dead serious on this, not that this would surprise Lisa Ann or, you know, uh, Caden Cross, um, is, is not like, oh good. There's a, there's a new Katrina Jade scene out on Brazzers. Can we watch it together? That's not my wife. That is absolutely not my wife. She is not, but yet we've, I don't, I mean, to make it sound like we've hung out with, but I mean, we were in Las Vegas and I'm texting with Caden and she's in town and we're both at the same hotel. And she's like, oh, I'm here with Manuel. Who's like this, whatever the Plowhawks legendary favorite male performer. That's her significant other and their daughter's with them. She goes, oh, you have to come down and meet you know, the, the, the name of the baby. And the, me and my wife go down there. We, we just, they're at a restaurant. We're just sitting there and BSing with these two people who some people, Oh my God, they're porn stars. And but yes, they have procreated just like everybody else. They're able to procreate and they're a mother and a father and care about their child an incredibly great amount, just like you do, you know, but it's not like my wife's like, Oh sweet. It's Caden. And I got to see her hooking up with so-and-so. And so this is so hot. That's not where she is. But then at the same time for me now, so like when, when, when Lisa Ann's at, uh, you know, the dotum or at Hot Shots for our, and you have not just whether it be my wife, but other women who are just like, they're like, yeah, I mean, I don't watch it, but I love when she's on the show. And they're not like, oh, get away. She's got to be gross because she does porn. I love that that wall, which I think was built on dogma and bullshit and people being uncomfortable with sex is being not because we're making it our cause, but just because naturally people go, yeah, that's bullshit. And I don't even think they think of it anymore. I think it's like, yeah, it's like my wife gets pictured with a, a, a woman uh, who's a, a wife of a, a listener on the show. And at least they don't think anything of it, which I think is great. But if you're like the weather guy at an affiliate in town and, and you're out there and you're like, oh, I couldn't possibly get a picture with her. because Not because the weather guy thinks he's better, but just like if my boss would see this. Then I have to worry. And I just think that's fucked up. But take your pick of whatever professional athlete who has a billion DUIs or a billion charges against him for this or that. And it's like totally fine. I don't get it. Like, I need someone to explain that to me. I'm Denzel Washington in Philadelphia. Explain it to me like I'm a three-year-old. I have no idea how that 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 is, that there's reason behind that. Like, if we're really, like, I'm, and if somebody wants to, to present it, I'm, I certainly would love to be corrected, but I just think it's fraudulent. That's what I think it is. And then you also have people like get automatic, get out of jail free cards by proclaiming their religion. Well, he's a good Christian. Well, he's a piece of shit. Actually, he's actually a piece of shit. He's a horrible person, but he gets to get out of jail free card because his Twitter has a, has a biblical passage 
or his first line is Christian. I would have played if my first line was agnostic. We would play very poorly, Gangster Pete. That's how I would play. Yeah, with but, a lot of people. What's that? With a lot of people. Yes. I'm just not interested in poking the beehive. But I just observe these. I don't even know. It's not a double standard. It's just flat-out hypocrisy. And it tilts me. Uh, all right. I, I think I've gone on long enough. Anytime I look over and I see Gangster Pete moving around a lot, it, it's my tell that Gangster Pete, you've had enough. My water's out and it's getting hot in here. That's right. Yeah, we have a ventilation system in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Uh, plenty of questions were answered. Plenty of questions more still to be answered. I didn't even get to the ones on the fan page. So I'll need to cut and paste and save those for next week. Uh, you can send questions anytime. Or if you have a response to what I laid out, I'd love to hear it. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com is where you can send your questions. Uh, TheHomeLoanExpert.com, the sponsor of our studios. The great Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, sponsor of our guests on the show. Once again, Kelly Chase this week, Jeff Fisher last week. Listen anytime. They're always up for you. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, online at carltoninsurance.net. Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. And finally, Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet, Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth Exit, or online at landoff.com. For Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. Thanks for listening to another edition of Questions from the Audience on the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.